afternoon and greetings in the precious name of Jesus to everyone. Keys to Empower You Prophetic Training Center will begin its new semester of classes Saturday, March 9th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. It will run every second and fourth Saturday of each month all the way through to December 14th of 2019. Our classes are located at God's Love Christian Church, 4519 North Franklin Road, Suite A, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46226. Keys will be offering three courses this year, Prophetic Essentials, Prophetic Functions, and Prophetic Key. If any of these interest you, give us a call at area code 317-543-9008 and ask for Associate Pastor Stacy Bousset. I will return your call, or you can go to our website at www.keysprophetictrain.wixsite.com slash keys to empower. Blessings to you. Now for this week's episode. Our topic on last week was it's a love thing. And I said that I would pick up where I left off. So this week, the topic will be, It's a Love Thing, Part 2. Okay, and I will be specifically coming from St. John, chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Jesus said here, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Much Love, much like forgiveness, is a decision. Christ himself said that everyone would know that we were his disciples if we have love for one another. Why is this? We live in a world in which selfishness does not simply abound. It is often praised. In the business world, there is a saying, greed is good. If we are able, if we are to be truly distinct from the world, we have in the prophetic ministry or another ministry, we must operate in genuine godly love. Now, love isn't just about good feelings. When Christ prayed that fateful night in the Garden of Gethsemane, he declared that God loved his disciples as he had loved Jesus. Now bear in mind that God had not only allowed Christ's suffering, but he actually orchestrated it. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, was no no less loving when he took the time to braid a whip and then drove corrupt businessmen out of the temple. You can find that in St. John 2, 14 through 16. If we are truly to minister in love, then we must act in the best interest of those to whom we minister, as defined by the Word of God. Now, in the prophetic ministry, it often occurs that people tend to be very committed to tough love. I spoke on this on last episode, even when it isn't really appropriate. That's how we, in the prophetic ministry, feel like the Old Testament prophets, we're supposed to operate in tough love, setting everybody straight, calling people to the carpet, uh, 
exposing their sin in public as well as in private. But is that really love? Are we ministering to them in the love of God? Is that how God ministers to us? Some will use the above example of Christ moving in correction to justify strong arm tactics and to validate ruling over God's people with an iron hand. However, we have to understand that Christ's actions in the temple were in the interest of restoring the sanctity of God's house and of protecting people from the predators of wild salespeople. The prophetic ministry or anyone else who operates in real love is going to be tough only when necessary and will pursue a commitment to the patterns and paradigms of biblical truth. Another essential truth about love is that it causes people to listen in two different ways. First, if we are motivated by love, we will be more apt to listen to what people are saying and what they are not saying. And our ministering will be all the better for it. Yes, some prophetic ministers will make the claim that they just listen to God. But the truth of the matter is that such assertions are usually grounded in arrogance and laziness. It's arrogant because they are often presuming that they are hearing clearly from God with respect to absolutely everything doubtful at best and laziness because very often they are they just aren't interested in taking the trouble to hear people out. There are many times when God will lead you to disregard what people are saying. And all of us can attest to that because it has happened from time to time to all of us. But there are also times when God will not clue you in on everything that's going on because he intends for you to listen. My mind goes back to the scripture in Kings. I believe it's second Kings might be first Kings where um, the Shunammite woman came to the man of God about her son that was laying on his bed had died. And he said that God had hid this thing from him. So God didn't clue him in on what was taking place with the Shunammite's son. Although he was the one that gave the word, the rhema word, that this was going to take place. And sure enough, it came to pass just as the man of God, the prophet declared it would come to pass. But yet something happened. There was a hiccup there. And the Shunammite woman, believing in the man of God, went to him saying, it is well, it shall be well. And the Bible tells us that the man of God, the prophet of God, had stated to his, um, excuse me, his associate Gehazi, that God had surely hidden this thing from him. Always keep in mind, there will be many times when someone you're ministering to has something useful to say, and even something which God intends to be of benefit to you or others. When you genuinely love people, you will care enough to listen to them. Sometimes the pro prophetic answer they need may come out of their own mouth as they pour their heart out. Love will temper your motives. Hmm, think about that. Love will temper your motives. It will put you in check. It happens much too often 
in the prophetic ministry, the prophets will use their gift to entice people into serving the exclusive self-interest of the prophet. While it is good for us to serve one another, it's a wicked thing to use one's place of authority to manipulate people into becoming one's personal entourage of flunkies. Think about that for a minute. Has that ever happened to you? Have you seen someone who professes to stand as the man or woman of God as a prophet or prophetess and they use their authority to manipulate those who were listening to them to becoming one of their followers, their personal entourages. Other prophets will use prophecy as a means of enticing people to give larger gifts of money. We have all seen this at one time or another. Another pattern is the tendency of the prophet to make sure he finds, he, she finds the gift satisfactory before he, he or she prophesies. Some do this efficiently by having a $500 line, $100 line, or a $50 line, and so on. The people in the $500 line get granted lofty prophecies, whereas if you're in the $10 line, you may not be prophesied to at all. Do such practices reflect a genuine love of God? I think not. We will break here for a moment, and we will return in just a short moment. Welcome back, listeners. I'm glad you were able to stay with us. Picking up where we left off, perhaps some of the prophetic ministry would still insist that they are doing nothing wrong by demanding money for prophecy or giving the impression that giving a better offering will result in a better prophecy. We ask the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Whether you're speaking from the office of a prophet, prophetic ministry, or any other position of the fivefold, we have to remember what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4.15. We have to speak the truth in love. The key is speaking the truth. God didn't call us to this place or this position to beguile people, to uh, brainwash people or mesmerize people to think the way we think or to capitalize on what we're saying like we hold the golden scepter out and accept you accept what I'm saying I'm sorry God is not thinking about you God is not going to bless you we should not give people a false hope that God deems them any less because they have no money to pour into the plate we do this unto God we are not to merchandise the people. Genuine love does not hurt. Genuine love does not cause suffering and pain needlessly. If the truth brings offense to you, the thing you need to do is search God out about that specific truth. God, is that me? Is that why I'm offended? Why is this bothering me? Is there something to this? Oh God. And the Holy Ghost will reveal to us yea or nay. If we are accustomed to the way he speaks to us, if we have a a valid prayer life, that's another key. You have to have a prayer life, a relationship with God through prayer. How do you expect God to reveal truths to you and you won't even talk to him one-on-one by yourself? We, as the people 
of the name, the people of the living God. We need to have a right relationship with him so that when we try the spirit by the spirit, when we judge the words that have been spoken over us or in our ear, we know God well enough to where we can go to him and say, God, is that you? God, do I take this? Do I receive this? Is this for me? Because sometimes we're not sure. And let's be truthful about it. Sometimes we are not sure because there are a lot of voices that are speaking in our ears in the world. Every day, there's a voice speaking and there's an origin behind every one of these words. All of these words are not motivated by the love of God. Some of them are motivated by self-ambition. Some of them are motivated by greed. Some of them are motivated by jealousy and envy. I just want to compete with the next prophet. I want to outdo them and run ahead of them because what I'm saying is just as important as what they're saying. This competition thing in the body of Christ needs to stop. Truth be told, it needs to stop. There's no need for prophets to compete against one another. We're all called by God. The spiritual gifts in chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us this. There are many gifts, but one God, one Lord that gave the gifts. They came through the Holy Ghost. They're not our gifts. We don't get to pick and choose when we get to use them or who they belong to because they only belong to God. And they were sent here in the earth to help the body, the whole body, not just particular ones. God is not a respecter of person and neither should we be. When you walk in genuine godly love, you're not a respecter of persons. Amen. Amen. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clanging symbol. I'm just making a bunch of noise according to 1 Corinthians 13. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and some of us may have, it comes with the Holy Ghost. If you are born from above and you are been baptized in the Holy Ghost in with the infilling of the Holy Ghost, yes, you can prophesy. You can prophesy when God wants you to prophesy. Some of you can prophesy more frequently than others because that is a gifted area for you. Others, when God moves upon you, that external anointing, you're able to prophesy. Prophesy doesn't mean I'm going to speak richness or prosperity into your life. And it does not mean that you're going to gain uh, um, fame and fortune. But what it does is have you seeking after God. That when a word is spoken over you, it should direct your mindset straight to God. If it directs it anywhere else but on God, it shouldn't direct it to money. It should not direct it to houses and cars. It should not direct it to your relationship with others. It should direct you straight to Jesus Christ. This thing is about Jesus, only about Jesus and him crucified. Nobody and nothing else died for you. Nothing and nobody else went into the 
gates of hell and took back the keys of death and came back with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And because of that, he made us victorious if we choose to believe him. If we choose to walk in him, we are victorious because of him. The fragrance of Jesus is on us and people smell him on us. People know that we have been with him just like they did in the Bible days. How they told um, Peter, they said to Peter, when Jesus was in there with uh, Caiaphas and Ananias, when they had apprehended him on that night, how the people walked up to him and said, we can tell you're one of them because your voice, your words tell on you. We know you're one of them. And of course, he kept saying, no, I'm not. But when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. You tell on yourself. You're spotted out. You stand out like a bullseye on a wall. Not only just to others, but you stand out to hell. They know you. They know you belong to God because you've been marked. You're sealed by the Holy Ghost of God. And because of that, we have to walk in that same love that he walked in concerning us. Our love is to be no different than his love. He loved us enough to go to the cross. He loved us enough to be beaten beyond recognition. He loved us enough to let them hit him upside the head with clubs and push a crown of thorns into his head where blood was running down his his head where they plucked the hair off his face and all that was exposed was the raw skin from where his skin flesh had been removed off of his face and how they spit on him and they didn't believe him and the Bible said we esteemed him stricken that he was defeated he wasn't defeated because it was the love of God that raised him back up he said you're not gonna take my life I lay it down for you but I have the power to pick it back up again this is what love does real love does And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. That's what the scripture says. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to be fed to the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Now, my flesh may tell me it does. Oh, I got their attention now. Oh, they're going to follow me now. Uh, They think I'm just like so-and-so now. But really, it profits me nothing. It profits none of us nothing. Love suffers long and it is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And we're going to take another break for just a moment and we'll be right back. Welcome back again. Thank you for sticking it out with us. Again, we're talking about it's a love thing, part two. We're talking about love, not man's love, because our love is corrupt. It's no good. 
We don't know how to love. We, some of us don't even love ourselves. But when you come to know the love of the Father, that the Father loved us so much that when Adam and Eve disobeyed and fell in the garden and it caused sin to come and corrupt God's whole creation, mankind included, that God loved us enough that before that even happened, he had already made plans to redeem us, hallelujah, from that fall. And glory be to God. Let's give God a praise of glory because he is worthy of all our praise. And when you think back on the goodness of God, we do sing that song. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, and he's done a lot. He's done more than any living man, alive or dead, could possibly even think of doing for me. He has done so much for us. We just now need to start putting it into action. Number one, love is a decision. So decide today to exercise it well. Number two, make a list of people you don't like and another list of people who have done you wrong. Now pray for them daily, every day. Seriously, intercede for them that they will come to know the love of Jesus Christ for them. Because you got to remember, it's not really them. You don't war against flesh and blood. You're warring against spirits, principalities, um, wickedness in high places. You're battling against stuff that you can't see. So when people do things, it's not necessarily that person. Yes, that person's being used as a tool to do the will of, the, of darkness and wickedness. But really, it's those demons. It's the devils. It's Satan that's behind all of this. It's the world system. It's behind all of this. It's not that person. You still are obligated. You are still charged by God to love them as Jesus loves you. He told us that. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you are still obligated regardless of what they've done, what they said, or how they caused hurt and pain to you. Jesus still has commanded you to forgive them and to love them regardless. Number three, for one week, this is your homework. For one week, keep track of your motives in the things that you do. The things that you do, not what somebody else is doing, but the things that you do. Write them down if you can. And at the end of the week, see where you need to make some changes. And I promise you, you will see, Dad, I need to change a lot about myself. And that brings me to the other point. Love doesn't judge. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter five, 7, judge not and be ye not judged. But if you judge, you'll be judged by the same measure. That very uh, piece of splinter that you see in your brother or your sister's eye, you have a big two by four hanging out of yours. Yours is bigger, but you can't seem to see yours. You can only see your brother or your sister's faults. So by making this list after a week, when you go back and pick it back up, be honest with yourself. Love yourself enough to tell your own self the truth. See where you need to make some changes and be honest with yourself. We're out of time now. I hope this week's episode has been helpful to you. It is a love thing. We have to be motivated by the love of God. That's the only way that we can make it to the end. 
I can't, I'm not supposed to go by myself. I'm supposed to bring somebody else with me. So why don't we all examine self, self-check ourselves so we can get on the same page? Because the Bible truly says, how can two walk together except they agree? Now we say we love Jesus. We say we're, we're uh, disciples of the cross. Okay. Except we accept his message except we agree with what he's saying, how are we walking with him? How can two walk together except they agree? We can't have different opinions on this love thing. Help me out, brothers and sisters. We have to love the way God charged us to love. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But before that, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the first commandment, that we love God. But then he said the, said the second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. How many of you out there love yourself? If you don't want no harm coming to yourself, if you don't want to be hurt, if you don't want no pain and the suffering and you're trying to bypass it yourself, why would you want to afflict someone else with that? When you see your brother or your sister struggling, you should love them enough. If you're not in a position to go and encourage them, pray for them. Fall on your knees. Fall on your face and go before the throne of God and intercede for your sister or your brother. And ask God to help them get up out of the ashes, dust themselves off, and to keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're not going to get there stepping on each other. We do need to be our brother and our sister's keeper. For the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. So whatever it is they're in, they're involved in, they're doing or not doing right, don't judge them. Don't put your foot on their neck. Don't gossip and backbite or slander their names. Drop down on your knees. And go before the throne of God and intercede for your brother and your sister. You're not going to get there no quicker than them. Because the Bible said even though some of us go to sleep in the Lord, they're not going to get to heaven before we do. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, that the when that last trump sounds, the dead in Christ are going to get up first. And then we that are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet them in the air. So they're not going to get there before those of us who are remained and still living. We're going to get there at the same time. So why are you trying to get there before them now? Don't judge your brothers and sisters. Don't put your foot on their neck. Don't put them in prison. Don't put a yoke on them that you're not willing to wear yourself. Let the love of God restrain you to call their names out before the throne of God. That God may heal them and Restore them back to their rightful places in him. Well, brothers and sisters, I hope I have said something to bless you this week. Let the love of God continue to grow and bubble through you. For God is a God that is able to keep you from falling and present you uh, spotless before the presence of his glory. Let me leave you with this question. I asked it on Facebook. So far, nobody has responded. Where is your appetite for God today? Is it his provision 
or for his presence. I want to know your thoughts. Until next time, may God richly bless you and let you keep walking continually in the love of God, for it is a love thing. God bless you.